Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be sitting down with Giovanni Sedino. And Giovanni is one of the guys in charge of a nonprofit here in Arizona called the East Valley Dream Center. And alongside his brother Danny, they began dreaming and doing work within their own communities. What you're going to soon hear today is a little bit of Giovanni's past and his story, as well as his struggles and his upbringing and how he got to where he is today. And I think it was really impactful for me. And I hope it'll do the same for you. Giovanni will also go more in depth a little bit about their nonprofit, the East Valley Dream Center, and the work that they're doing there. And really quickly, I just want to let you guys know that I will provide all the links down below, uh, whether you want to donate or contribute or even go to their facility and help out and do some really cool, meaningful work with their nonprofit. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Live Authentic Podcast, Episode 5. Yes. Thank you, man. How you been? Been good. Yeah. Been good. Been really good. And, you know, I, I want to thank you for the opportunity for speaking, mm-hmm. but yeah. um, I was looking forward to this. Yeah. Uh, when we met a couple of weeks ago, you mm-hmm. told me about it, um, you know, not in a way to get my message out, but I, I mm-hmm. think I say it clearly is I love saying my message because I know there's someone um, hearing that was in my shoes or in my shoes, mm-hmm. and so they can be encouraged to do that. And mm-hmm. then if I can do it or make it through, then they can make it as well. So, yeah, I love it, man. Yeah, so I'm excited to uh, be with you yeah, uh, today. Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the whole idea of at least this episode, which was this was an idea that I had even before I started the podcast, yeah. which was at like the very first beta in my mind of like how do I bring people on to talk was sometimes I could meet like a, a complete stranger yeah. and one of the very first full conversations I have would be on the podcast. Yes, I get you. And so That's it kind of like, it's one of those conversations that just kind of unravels itself, yeah. you know, and I have some questions, Yeah, yeah. Um, but ultimately I just want to get, you know, who you are and your story. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I want to start with kind of like who you are and you could talk a little bit about what you do, but like, yeah, more importantly, who you are. Yeah. So um, for those listening, um, you know, I was born and raised in uh, the city of Chicago um, 33 years old, but it was born and raised in a place called Humble Park. Um, and now, if you don't know about Chicago, Chicago's very segregated. Uh, so you have, uh, where I grew up was mostly all Puerto Ricans. Then you have, uh, you have Polish town, you have mostly south and a little village, all Mexicans. Then you go further, uh, west or south, you have, uh, blacks. Then you have, you know, it's very seg- Italians. Mm. So where I grew up was uh, Humble Park, um, and in the 90s, uh, Humble Park was not good whatsoever. It was infested with uh, gangs, drugs, and so growing up in that uh, was really hard. So I grew up with a, a single mom. Uh, her name was Body. Um, she had five of us, and I have three brothers and one sister. So um, four of us have different dads, and so... Um, you know, my mom didn't stay with the dads or either uh, our dads left. Uh, an example, my dad, I only met him one time. I was at, I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I met him. And that's kind of the last time uh, I, I met him as well or seen him. So mm-hmm. I was at 18 years old. So just grew up through all of that. He abandoned my mom um, right when I was born. Uh, so my mom had to, you know, fence for herself. And so through that time in the 90s, it was super, super tough because... Um, my mom 
bless her heart, but her parents did not teach her how, uh, you know, to be wise with money. Mm. Just to be wise in life, she made some decisions that were not smart. Mm. Um, bless her heart today. She's learned from all those, and she's on a, a great track today, and I, I love her to death. But back then, she was making some choices that were really smart, um, so it kind of affected us as kids. So um, not having our dads around really, really hurt us. And so growing up in places uh, with, you know, um, you know, in shelters. We, I remember we lived in shelters. Uh, there was a time we were going to sleep in the park. There was a time we were sleeping in a garage as well. Uh, when we left our shelter, we didn't want to stay in the shelter, so we slept in the garage. So and I was about, I had to be six years old, seven years old. And I thought, this is normal. Mm. I thought mm -hmm. this is totally normal for kids in my area, kids growing up, not having a dad. I thought this was normal as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so all this pressure on my mom, you know, it, it was really hard. But, you know, my mom got on her feet from there. Um, and this is whoever's hearing this. I remember and I say this clearly and I say this proud. Uh, my mom was had to be 30 something years old, no high school education. You got guys leaving her back and forth, but my mom got a job at Burger King at 30-something years old. Mm -hmm. um, now, at a younger age, I thought, oh, this is great. My mom has a job at Burger King. I can get free meals. Right. But now being 30-something uh -huh. and yeah. understanding, you know, a 30-something-year-old, if you're working at Burger King or McDonald's or fast food, like what can do to your pride mm -hmm. and humble you. And, you know, she had to start from the bottom and make her way up. And I'm so glad that my mom got that job at Burger King because that's where she started to kind of get on her feet uh, mm -hmm. again and just started to look out for us. And so she got the job at Burger King and then we went to this raggedy apartment from the shelter and it was infested with roaches and rats. Mm -hmm. We were so happy because it was an apartment. Yeah. Uh, I remember our shower didn't work, so we had to um, uh, boil the hot water on the stove. And we're just taking a shower with in a bucket. Like, it's a third world country. Yeah. And we're staying in Chicago, in America. So, but that was it. Uh, my mom continues to do choices with money. Like, she started to get wise in life. She started to do certain things for her family. But when it came to money, it just wasn't the right decisions. Uh, and that we're affected by. Um, so, growing up, and, and it was rough. And I had my brother, I had my sister, uh, and my two younger brothers. And so, um, and then in around 2001, that's when things kind of changed from my perspective. I started going to a church. My uncle was a pastor. And I kind of seen this limelight because I had, uh, I have great uncles. They're all great. Uh, but my uncle started picking us up for church. Um, and so I went and I seen a Puerto Rican male who was married, who was successful, who had a, a savings account, who had an education. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at that, especially being a, my family member. I said, man, if he can do this, then I can do it as well. So that was kind of my tunnel vision to look at him and to say, okay, get through these steps. I'm going to get through high school. Uh, I'm going to get through college. I'm going to get through relationships. And, you know, that kind of helped me out um, to where I was at. But growing up in all of that, you know, the, the main thing, Blake, to, to, to say for my story was, and I learned this at this age, not having that father figure in my house has totally, and I'm going to say this in a great way, uh, and I'm learning from it, kind of mess my emotions up, mess where I'm at, dealing with relationships and handling relationships, uh, because I thought I was regular. So, uh, but now I know that was trauma. Not, not having a male there teach you this is what love is this is how you treat a woman this is how you treat professionals this is how you treat relationships this is how you build the bridges in business and all that i didn't have that so my and my mom she was doing the best that she can working two jobs but she was 
uh, barely home and trying to make ends meet and all that. And so, you know, it was rough. Uh, Section 8 welfare growing up on all that. And so fast forward to today, I learned all those lessons and I, I, I you know, kind of brought me where I'm at today. So mm-hmm. that's kind of my life in a mm-hmm. nutshell. There's mm-hmm. a lot of more to go into details. Mm-hmm. But just growing up in Chicago, super poor, mm-hmm. having literally nothing. Um, but seeing individuals in my life to say, you know, if they can do it, then I can do it um, as yeah. well. So. And you had that first glimpse with that Puerto Rican man. Yeah. Said. yeah, yeah, my uncle. Yeah, my uncle. That was kind of my first glimpse right there um, okay. of uh, you see this brown man and it's being like I said, he's in our life. Yeah. And I remember I say this story vividly. Uh, he used to come over our house. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, first of the month was you get your welfare check. And my mom used to pack out the groceries. And I remember it was the best time ever. Uh, But that would last about a week because you have five kids and there was no portion control in our house. It would just go crazy. But my uncle would come by. I remember uh, he would come into our house, our apartment at the time, and open up our fridge, open up our cabinets, and just see what we had. And he would leave at times and then um, come back with groceries. He would pick us up for the first day of school, take us school shopping. And so everything that he's, he did, I, I'm doing now to, for other families. And there was one moment, and I share this with everyone, that changed my life completely when I saw my uncle. It was a blizzard of 99 in Chicago. And if you ever been to Chicago, the blizzards are crazy. I mean, snow. And this blizzard, I remember I was happy because they canceled school. We're building igloos. It was crazy. So uh, I remember blizzard of 99. It was January, I, I believe. Um, the snow, you know, was... You wouldn't even see cars in the street, but it was crazy. I remember my uncle came through in his Jeep Cherokee. Uh, he made it to our street in his Jeep Cherokee, and this, you know, he came to our apartment and knocked on the door. Same thing he did, came in, how's everything? He checked the fridge, he checked the cabinets, and we had nothing in there. So he said, I'll be back. So about an hour later, we get a call on our house phone uh, at the time, and he says, hey, meet me at the corner because he couldn't get into our little street because uh, the snow was just high. So I remember we put up, me and my older brother Danny, we put on our shoes and all that, and we go into our gangway of the apartment, and the snow is up to like our thighs. Uh, and so we're walking to the street, and so we look towards the right to the corner, and we see my uncle in his uh, Jeep Cherokee. And that moment changed my life. I see my uncle walking with grocery bags in the snow knee-deep to bring groceries to us. And I always tell people, that moment... I said to myself, this is what I want to do when I get older. Mm. Uh, for my family, yeah. for people in the community, um, you know, wow. sometimes put yourself at risk. Sometimes go out of your right. comfortability to help people out. I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life uh, yeah. to help people. So, so you saw that, like, you saw the selfless act. Yes. And you wanted to model your life around that. I, I love that imagery of him <laughs> carrying all these bags, yeah. trud- you know, trudging through the snow. And I could just vi- like vision you looking at that and be like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. And he was almost kind of like a father figure in your yes. life, even though it wasn't like yeah. always there. I think him being in your life was also a really good trajectory for you. Cause I imagine if he wasn't in your life, yes. you know, I want, I'm curious about like, who would you be yeah. today? Which is crazy you because know? people in high school where I went to high school was gang infested as well. And mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends that went that route, that mm. joined gangs, mm-hmm. that dropped out of high school. What made you not go that route? Um, man, first of all, my mom. Yeah. Because 
she didn't have it all together. Yeah. But she had one thing was her <laughs> anger and fear that she instilled in me that she's going to whoop me. Oh, yeah. So that's one thing for sure. <laughs> she said, don't come back home with a girl pregnant. Don't drop out of high school. Yeah. Make sure you do it. Right. So those things like always scared yeah. me. I never cursed in front of my mom. Uh-huh. I never did any of those things. And I, was, I would go over friends' houses, and I would see them cursing in front of their mom. I would see right. them tell them off. And I'm like, how do you do that, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because I would think my mom would whoop us. Right. And so that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I make sure I didn't drop out of high school because uh, I didn't want to get whooped <laughs> by my mom. Uh, but second was, I always wanted something better for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see my community, mm-hmm. and I always had that chip on my shoulder. For some reason, when someone said, you can't do that. In my mind, I want to prove them wrong so I can. Right. Even if it's probably going to be good or the best, yeah. but I'm going to do it. So yeah. high school, and I, I tell this to people all the time, I got my college diploma. I got my home, my family, all of that. But one of my greatest accomplishments, and people that listen to this that grew up in my community in the hood know that was graduating high school because you barely get through high school. Right. Because for us growing up in the ghetto or the hood, we didn't think about college. There's no college in your mind. Yeah, you're just trying to get past the You're first... just trying to get past that day. You're just right. trying to get past that class, that right, week. Right. And so for wow. me, that was my greatest accomplishment. And I remember I went... And the thing is, it's funny. We are talking about the other day. I don't even have a high school diploma because I owe money. My mom, we're too poor <laughs> to pay the school. Yeah. But yeah. they called my name and mm-hmm. they gave me a blank envelope and had right. my diploma. And I yeah. owe like $200 to the school. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember at least they called my name and transcripts. Mm. And that was one of my greatest feelings I ever because I got wow. through. Now... I got through going to summer school, evening school. I graduated, and if people are hearing, I graduated with a 1.3 GPA. Mm-hmm. But I tell people, I graduated. Mm-hmm. I finished what I started. That's it. And I could have dropped out. I could have joined my friends. I could have did other things. But I, that was one of my greatest accomplishments through high school. And just seeing other people drop out, seeing people go down a route, and working a job 9 to 5 that they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my motivations. Like, you know what? I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I see people in my community that are, are not doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. Before this podcast, we only talked once. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, like, really quickly, you just started talking about your past. Because I yeah. just love, I mean, I love hearing about other people's stories yeah. and what they go through. And, and very much like, like what you're talking about now, one thing that stood out to me about you is, you know, a lot of people could look at you and see your success and say, hey, man, like, maybe this is how he grew up. Yeah, yeah. But that's very much not how you grew up. Yeah. You grew up the opposite. Yeah. And you had to overcome through perseverance. Yeah. And through being confident in yourself and ultimately over time your faith, right? Um, to pursue the things that you think will be better for other people. Yeah. And a lot of the way like these conversations unfold, we usually talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But that's something that's like super important to me because that's something I had to deal with as well. And it's something like I continue to work through. And it's also been something like I've been realizing that this topic is important to a lot of people. But the um, mental, I agree with you with the mental health. Yeah. Because especially where I grew up. Yeah. And I mean, even kind of today, but you didn't dare go to counseling. Right. You didn't tell anyone mm. that you're struggling with it. Yeah. And so... Growing up without a dad, and, and I share this with you, that's traumatizing. Right. Seeing my mom getting abused, she, was, she got abused by her boyfriend um, at the time. He abused us as well. That's traumatizing. Uh, seeing her boyfriend, seeing in our apartment, I remember gangs were at the back porch outside in the alley, and he grabbed a sawed-off shotgun, and he was going to shoot them. And you see my mom crying, holding on, saying, don't shoot. And I'm seeing all this at like in fifth grade. 
That's traumatizing. But at the time, I thought this is normal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But growing up now, and I, I share this, it's all trauma that I'm dealing with in this mental health. So now I'm trying to, as a grown man, trying to deal with relationships, and I'm, I'm figuring stuff out like, why does that trigger me? Why does it get me upset? Mm. Why do I get mad at that? Right. Why do I get sad at that? Why do I shut down yeah. and I just go back to my childhood? I didn't have a counselor. I always tell people, I wish that I wish that I wish my mom was a little bit more involved where I went and maybe because if I had ADHD, my mom went to the uh, school and got counseling for me or therapy and mm -hmm. all that. Like that would help me probably out a lot, but it didn't. Mm. And so, you know, something that we're doing now, and I know we'll get into the uh, nonprofit, but something yeah. that we're doing now because my brother, he came up to me, who's the director of the East Valley Dream Center. Mm -hmm. He said, he said, man, I feel in my heart to start a behavioral health clinic. And I didn't know how to do it. I just said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> and man, you know, I was helping him out, but he had a team. We had a team that was doing this that went to the state. And the, the main reason we started this up is because of what we're dealing with now. Because we said, if we can go back to the hood, if we can go back to these communities and tell these families, these single moms, single dads, these kids, that this is not normal in a loving way. Mm. And we have an outlet for you guys that we could teach you group counseling therapy. Mm. Man, what it can do to them when they're adults to have great relationships and marriages mm. and all that. So yeah. mental health, yeah, I'm I, yeah, a yeah. big advocate for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, these are just the, the things that we have to overcome. And for you, the reason why you're so involved in these situations is because of your, your growing up period. Yeah. And so, I mean, can you talk a little bit about the the those issues that you had to deal with and maybe these are still things that you continue yeah. to deal with because yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't go away overnight yeah. and these yeah. are you know these are big yeah topics so, so one of the issues that you know I, I think mainly what if everyone is listening I can agree with is not not having that dad in the household or life does affect you so much I don't I, I, you, I don't care if you're sitting down right now and said well no it was it was all right it, no it, it really so not having that dad, uh, really, because growing up now as a teenager, uh, I broke relationships that I had with close cousins, close friends, mm. because I grew jealous and envious. Mm. And it wasn't even their fault. But I would see how their dads would react with them. And this, was, uh, this started oh, happening wow. around 17, 18 years old. Okay. Uh, growing up as a man now, and I'm thinking I have it, but I would say, man... He uh, gives her a shout out, or he hugs him like this, and like, why does he do that to me? Like, I'm here every day, or I try to get his attention, mm -hmm. and nothing like that. And so, growing up, that really affected me, and that really burnt a lot of bridges and relationships with me because mm. I would grow cold with that person. I won't talk to the person. I will talk about that person, right. and that person that didn't do anything wrong, yeah, my cousin, yeah, yeah. my friend, that family didn't do anything wrong. But it was more of my being mm. because I was crying out for attention mm -hmm. and crying out. And throughout my 20s, it was like that as well mm -hmm. because I wanted attention. I wanted approval. Right. And I honestly, I honestly didn't really come down to a hold on it until probably a couple years ago, three years okay. ago, when I started serving others in the East Valley Dream when we made it. That's when my perspective in life kind of changed to be like, yeah. Giovanni, it's not about you. Right. Uh, have you ever been to therapy before? Uh, yeah, I have. Okay. I have. But you, but you said so... And we could get more into your nonprofit because I, I, yeah, I yeah. really want to talk about that um, because that also connects to everything that you're you're about, and yeah. I love that. Um, but for you, like, did your perspective change on you being more introspective on the thoughts of your own self and the issues that you feel like that you're dealing with? Did those come more to the forefront when you started the nonprofit? Exactly. Okay. So it was in 2019. Uh, I was working at a, a church. Mm -hmm. 
uh, a church here in the valley. I was a youth pastor. And um, what got you into that? Uh, well, I've always so it goes back to when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. So I always wanted to be a pastor because I see my uncle and all that, and I always wanted to work full time ministry. I always that was one of my things. I wanted to work full time ministry and ministry, and I didn't live a perfect life, but I always mm -hmm. wanted to live full time ministry, and I was doing everything I can to do it. And like I said, I would burn bridges. I would try to move to places, and so I moved over here because it was an opportunity. So I got into full time ministry. And, you know, bless uh, the church and uh, the ministry, but, you know, it was a mutual agreement. It just wasn't a good fit. I was there for a year. Hmm. And then I was in it, and I was like, well, this is not really what I expected. Yeah. And so I got out of that. It was a mutual, you know, he says, hey, this is not a perfect fit for you. And I kind of agree with it, too. Um, so left that, and I, I kind of went to this, I don't want to say dark place, but figuring out what, what am I going to do in life? Like, I have no clue what I'm going to do. Everything that I've been wanting since I was a teenager and career-wise, I wanted to do this. I finally hit it at 27, 28, and it's like, all right. Crisis. Yeah, like, what are you going to do now? Being from Chicago, inner city, yeah. and then moving here to the East Valley, it's a culture change, right. especially with the churches, too. Crisis. Oh, yeah. Totally yeah, different. Like, yeah. What are you going to do So I'm, now? Thinking, I'm bringing this inner city vibe to <laughs> right. the suburban church. It's, mm. It just doesn't cut it. Okay. And first of all, this is not my ministry. This is not my church. Yeah. You know, I have to honor the pastor and honor the ministry, mm -hmm. but I try to come in like, well, we can do this and try yeah. to do that. And it just wasn't, uh, yeah. you know, I, I always say it was that um, you have that uh, toy where it's like the figure is a triangle and, you know, I have a square and I'm trying to put the square into the triangle and it just wasn't working Yeah, for myself and the church. And so, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I, I figured at the end of the day, I tried my hardest and vice versa, but it just didn't work out. The marriage didn't work out in there. I, I feel like you're also a guy though that like you you're meant to stick out. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you're meant to like I could definitely like see you being in that situation and I could see you kind of getting some frustration from that because because of who you are and your personality and yeah. that you do want to do more. Yeah. And you're made for more. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it was certain things um, you know, that I found out like you said and I, I'm, now that I know it's not just just this church but yeah certain script you say when you go up there. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I never worked like that. Okay. A certain script. Yeah. I'm huge on outreach. I love doing outreach. Mm -hmm. And uh, not to knock some of the church out in the Valley, which we love. We love to partner and connect. And I think this is yeah. why the East Valley Junior, what we feel like Dream Center, because we want to connect and partner with churches. Um, mm -hmm. You know, certain, not doing an every week outreach or bi-weekly, you know. I, I, I like to be out on the street. Mm -hmm. I love to be out in the community. And boots that on the ground. Yeah, boots mm -hmm. on the ground. And that just wasn't happening. And so it just didn't fit, man. It just didn't fit. And that's where it kind of led to, Blake, where, um, granted, that was in a suburban, mostly white area. Sure. And I'm for everyone. Jesus saves everyone. Yeah, yeah. But my upbringing, and I, I realized this where, mm. you know, I read in, I don't know, the Bible that well. I've kind of, but in Genesis where Joseph uh, got with his brothers and all that. And, and so at <laughs> yeah. the end where he finally says his brothers are saying sorry. And right. But Joseph like, it wasn't you. Right. This was God. Yeah. So now at 33, I'm like, mm. do I want to be mad at my dad? Do I want to be mad at that church? Do I want to be mad at my past? I could, but I've learned in the past two years, like, no, don't. This was God that brought you through all this. The reason why you have no dad, the reason why you grew up poor, the reason because of what you're doing for families now. Because Giovanni, and I told you this. They're seeing if Giovanni and his family can do it, then their family can do it uh, as well. So it just didn't fit, you know, and I learned that each church reaches their community in different ways. I'm a firm believer that every church should be out in the community somehow. It's not a Sunday thing, 
Uh, you have to be out in the community. If you're not, I think you, you know you're just not doing it well. But uh, but each church reaches their community in different ways, and you just find that to do that. And so that way, I found out my heart and my calling is for low-income families because that's where I grew up for. And in that specific church and some other church, it just wasn't happening because, you know, that's just not what they were called to do, and which is totally fine. And so I, I had to find that in my own yeah. uh, life. Can we go back a little bit to yeah, where yeah. you were talking about um, how in these situations you were seeing that maybe growing up you had a lack of empathy, you know, and, and the even the idea of like forgiving your, your dad, yeah. you know, and just that, that, that forgiveness piece. Something my mom has always told me, because this is something I'm working on to this day um, with my dad, but she she always tells me that forgiveness is a continuing process. Mm -hmm. It's not like a one and done, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And that was hard to hear because I'm like, I just want it to be done. Like I want to, yeah. I want to, I want to say, all right, I forgive you, and like we're moving past it, yeah. right? So, what was that situation like for you where you had to realize, okay, maybe I'm lacking a little bit of empathy, yeah. because of my past, but more so like you've you've come to that acceptance piece of like, yeah. okay, maybe I need to do something here. What what did that look like specifically for you? So, what what changed in my life? Um, because you know when you say empathy. I thought I always had empathy, but I had sympathy. Mm, mm -hmm. um, and I, I heard a great analogy uh, with sympathy and empathy. Is sympathy is when you're on a boat and um, you see a person drowning and you say, oh, man, poor person, and you throw kind of a life raft towards the way, mm. and you're hoping mm. that they grab onto that. Empathy is you put yourself at risk and jump in the water to save that person. You put yourself in their shoes. So I learned that in my life two years ago, three years ago. Uh, that I thought I had empathy, but I had sympathy. And so, um, you know, I started putting in perspective with my mom, my dad, uh, with people around me to say, why are they acting like that? Why do I do that? But then I put myself in their shoes to be like, this is why. So I really can't be mad at them because maybe their mom or their dad or their church or their marriage or whatnot. This is why. So now every time, you know, I try to do my best before, you know, whether it's a gossip or a situation, I always try to put myself in that person's shoes. Um, even with this crazy yeah. world that we live in, with the politics and all that, well, they, mm. why they act like that? Why do they do that? Right. And I say, well, put yourself in their shoes. Mm. Why are they acting like that? So mm. I've learned that in my life, especially with my dad who doesn't talk to me today. Um, you know, uh, and I'm learning that too, man. You know, yeah, like my dad, his family, his brother reached out to me last year. And um, says he wa he wanted to talk. And at the time, I just said, I'm 32, and I kind of I don't want to say successful, but I, I'm kind of good where You've, I'm at. You already kind of passed that. Yeah, season, passed right? that situation where I needed you. I needed you. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what good is it in my life now? But you know, I'm still working on that. You know, do I want to talk to him? Yes. Am I am going to talk to him? Yes, that's going to happen. But right now, there's no urgency. When I needed it, when I was 14 years old, 10 years old, 18 years old, 20-something years old. But right now, it's like, uh, I, I get to it. But but I, 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 I now I'm more empathetic towards my dad, my mom, and even relationships that I burned bridges with. I went back to and apologized to people. Mm, and mm. I tried to, you know, instead of wow. uh, burn, just build bridges. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of went back in steps and apologize to certain individuals, family members, friends, and say, hey, I'm sorry. Yeah. And there was no but. There was Because usually <laughs> after conversation, you say, I'm sorry, but, but this is why. Right. 
I leave it at that. I'm sorry I did this. Yeah. And I should have never did this to you. Yeah. And kind of leave it as that. And that's part of the empathetic piece. Yes. Yeah. And I've learned, like, I've learned that. And the analogy is I just jump in the water now and, you know, I put myself in their shoes or I put myself in their position to say, this is why you choose not to get on a life raft or this is why you choose not to pick your head up and you're drowning. This is the reason why, because something's holding on. Because I, and I think of that analogy is we can judge so easily from the ship and look down and say, they're drowning, they're drowning, but something got a hold of them maybe in the bottom and maybe it's a past relationship, maybe it's a past mm. whatever. Uh, but it's until we get on the water and see, this is why. So this is why the low-income families, I really have a heart for, because there's many individuals that can say, well, they should uh, work or they should do this. It's like, well, you don't know the situation. There's way more holding them down and then until we get in there and say, this is the reason. Well, let me help you out and tie this and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think that's a perfect transition, though, to your nonprofit. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, it sounds like a lot of that that whole piece of just helping and, and jumping off yeah. the boat. Yeah. That's a big reason why you guys started. Yes. You know? That, that, that's yeah. a huge reason. It yeah. was, um, you know, two years ago, like I said, after the church, I was in this place where I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And I just felt, I remember I talked to my brother, and I remember I was working at a school at the time, and I said, let's just start a dream center. Hmm. Um, Your brother said this? No, I did to okay. my brother. And we kind of talked, because he was an, uh, a director of uh, an internship program, and that was kind of ending too. So he was on this boat like, I have no clue what we're going to do. Okay, yeah. So we just called each other up and said, let's start a dream center. No building, no budget. We had a group of friends, mm -hmm. and we did. We bought a grill. And so, mm. but through that, and I and I am being 100% honest, but... That right there, to fast forward in 2021, by going out Thursday, I remember the first Thursday we went out, and we thought we were all grand, we made these sandwiches, got these chips and all that. No one came out. We were there for like five hours trying to pass out these sandwiches to homeless people. Mm -hmm. And we could have gave up, mm. but we went back the next week. Yeah. No one showed up again. We got the bill. <laughs> then the following week, no one. And then little by wow. little, people in the park started noticing who we were. Okay. But for me... I can't speak for everyone in the East Valley Dream Center, the staff or the volunteers, but for me personally, that saved my life by serving people. Because I've always heard, you know, the opposite of depression is happiness. And at that time, I was depressed and my mental health was really taking a toll on my life. But I learned that the, hop, the, uh, the opposite of depression is not happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. Because when you find your purpose, that's mm -hmm. when you start to serve. You start yeah. to get up in the morning now. Right. And things are a little bit brighter. Yeah. You start smiling. For sure. You start getting excited. And we're going out in 110 degree weather and we're <laughs> smiling and happy and sweating. Yeah. But I finally found my purpose in life. And today, that's my purpose. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that brought me out of my mental health. That brought me out of mm -hmm. past relationships, bad relationships with my dad. Is when I finally started serving other people. Mm -hmm. When I finally got off the boat mm -hmm. and said, I found my purpose in life. Yeah, come on. So it, it's, it's just been incredible how... It started with a grill mm -hmm. and no budget um, to finally people donating and coming partnering volunteer to today, having the building, having a behavioral health clinic, having different programs for families and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, and we say this, I think the reason God has opened up doors is not because we can preach, not because we can speak. We don't have the biggest building. We don't have the biggest budget. But I think is God seen the purity of our heart and he opened up those doors to say, you know what? I got to bless him. There's a uh, Matthew Barnett. He's the pastor of the Dream Center in LA. And he said, um, he said, when you start taking care of the people that no one wants, then God's going to send you the people that everybody wants. Mm, so that's what's yeah. been, I, well, for us, that's what we feel that's been happening. 
who wants to take care, look after low-income families? Mm -hmm. There's no return in that. Right. We're spending money on them. We're doing everything we yeah. have to. Yeah. But I feel this is what Jesus Christ would have done if mm -hmm. he was here. In 2021, if Jesus Christ was walking this earth, right. do I agree? Well, do I love worship services? Yes. Do I love going to church? Something? Yes, that's perfect. But I personally believe he'll be out in the parks. He'll be out in the community mm -hmm. with the people. Yeah. Um, so kind of changed my life two years ago. That's great, man. I started serving in the visuals, and that's how kind of the East Valley Dream Center kind of came to fruition and all yeah. that. So. Yeah, well, there's two things I have to that. So the first thing is, how did you guys learn as you just went, <laughs> like with this whole thing? Because you know, all this stuff takes. Obviously, there's there needs to be like some systems in place and like some. Yeah, yeah. So where did you learn all that fun stuff from? So you would think, right, man? You guys maybe have some college degrees, or maybe you got some backgrounds. Maybe you went mission trips and you learn. <laughs> that did not happen. Yeah. Uh, I did an internship. Some of my friends and we did an internship called Chicago Master Commission, and it was a nine month internship, and it kind of prepped us up just to yeah. being with people and being in the community. Yeah. But there's no college backgrounds here. There's no finance backgrounds here. There's no big-time <laughs> pastors or preachers here that know the word back and forth. There's nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, we had to learn as we went. Love that, man. Uh, yeah. We learned as we went. And I'm going to be honest with you. Like, mm -hmm. I was a reader, but not to our reader today. So it was around six months into the East Valley Dream Center. We did a conference, and I was a host of a conference. Uh, and I was hosting our conference, and I would go up on the mic and speak. But I would notice I would say things that were kind of, I said, last year, yesterday, kind of yesterday's wins, phrases and catches and wisdom. And I remember driving, this was October of 2019, and I remember driving like, Javon, you got to better yourself. When's the last time you read a book? When's the last time you listened to a podcast? Yeah. yeah. You're going, and I just felt God saying, you're going to a place, not what other pastors or preachers or organizations, but these people in these communities that you're going to serve, they're going to need you. They're going to need you on your A game. They're going to need wisdom on how to do finances. They're going to need wisdom how to go about situations. So from that moment, I remember downloading the uh, Audible uh, auto book uh, from Amazon and then podcasts. And every day in my job for work, I drive, I listen to a chapter or uh, or, uh, or, or podcast. And same thing with our, our team as well. We learned. We totally learned. I, you know, I wasn't good in finances. I've learned how to save money. But certain things were interest rates, homes, loans. I learned that all on my own. Yeah. Calling people up. Yeah. And so, <laughs> being like, how do I do this? <laughs> uh, and the thing is, I did it, of course, for myself. Yeah. And, but it was more, I got to do this for the community that I'm serving. Okay. I need to be on my A game because they yeah. come asking me questions. Yeah. And I, I, I need to help them out. Yeah. So, that's so good. Yeah. But yeah, we learned on our, on our own. Yeah. There was a lot of arguments. There's just my brother, he's a director, and we get into disagreements all the time. We get into, I don't think we should do it like this. No, we're going to do it like this. And, but at the end of the day, I think what makes our team great is we go back to the mission, the vision, and say, this is why we're doing it. I'm not in it for a position when I'm getting paid for this. Yeah. I have no, nothing like that. Yeah. Uh, I have two, three jobs on the side that I do, and mm -hmm. I do this as well. But yeah. I do it because I love people. Yeah. And I want to help people. So, um, you know. Brings you purpose. Yes. Yeah. So we learn as we went, and uh, we're still learning. Mm -hmm. We are... You know, we are not there. We're hosting this. We're hosting a conference, an yeah. outreach conference. Yeah, plug it. Plug it. Yeah, yeah go we're ahead. Hosting an outreach conference for <laughs> nonprofits, for individuals who want to make an impact in their community, mm -hmm. who want to do something that worked a nine to five job. We're hosting this conference, and I tell people, I don't have all the answers. You're going to come to this conference. I might not have all the answers. We've done certain things that work, but I think together we can make a difference in our communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we've learned that, like Blake, like mm -hmm. East Valley Dream Center. And this is kind of marketing and filmmaking that we learn yeah. because I think the issue is 
individuals, churches, organizations, they want to be the answer to everything. And I think you, you know this, where I'm going with this. Uh, they want to be an answer to everything, but you're not going to be the answer to everything. You are not. Your church is not going to be the biggest church or known like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. So we learned our nonprofit, our organization, our Dream Center, we're going to be known for one thing, and that's, that's to serve local families. Now, if a homeless guy comes off the street, we don't have the resources for that. But since we're going to network, we're going to know a person, another organization that does. If there's sex trafficking, we don't have the answer to that. But we're going to find someone that does. Uh, addiction, we don't have the answer to that. We're, our cream of the crop, our butter is, uh, you know, local family serving. So we're going to do whatever we can to uh, educate ourselves in that area. So, um, but yeah, so that's what the conference is. We tell people, come together to learn from each other. Um, and, you know, it, it's going to be in October in Chicago, then November here in Arizona, and we're just trying to get the word out to individuals. I think there's power in numbers. If you get under one roof, and especially mm-hmm. if there's conferences, creative conferences, filmmaking conferences, and all that. Yeah. But if people that come together under one roof that have a heart for the community, right. that have the same mindset, yeah. oh, my goodness, the things that we can do yeah. around the city 100%. of Phoenix and all that. Yeah, so. yeah dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I love your transparency, and that's, um, that's, that's a reason why, you know, I... I want to spread the word of just being honest and just being real. Like, I love how you talked about like, look, dude, I'm not, I was never like a reader yeah. until like 2019. You know? <laughs> and the Bible's good. You yes. know, scripture's great, but we don't put our faith in the Bible. We put our faith in Jesus. That's you right. Know? That's right. And, you know, I like me being honest and transparent myself. It's like, I've never read the Bible cover to cover. Yes. But it's not like I've, I've never been to Bible college. I've never done any of that. I just, I'm passionate about... <clears throat> like other people, yeah, much like you. And yeah. so I find a lot more in my purpose, and I think everyone could find purposes in this, but it's like, just serve. <clears throat> and for me, that's through missions work or just through telling someone's story. Um, and because what I've seen through filmmaking, but not, not only the, you know through that, but through things like this, a podcast, yeah. through you know putting good kindness out there into yes. the world, um, then people, they, they gravitate toward that. Yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, gratitude and kindness is super relatable to us just being human beings that's so good you know because like there's no common ground that's it you know and so it's the whole we go back to the sympathy empathy yeah is it's easy from either side to say they should act like this they should do that it's like can you get in their shoes can you jump Mm -hmm. in there and Mm -hmm. find out why they're acting Mm -hmm. like this yeah and so i've came to a place in my life with everyone yeah as i you know i'm going to try to find out why they're acting like this and try to get an understanding um for this so mm-hmm. it, it's 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 been that man and and what mm-hmm. we're trying to do and trying to build here you know we're not the biggest dream center we're not the but i i say with our team with our hearts man we're ready to take on communities yeah. we're ready to take on communities and it's it's, I don't want to say it's rare, but it's hard to find other individuals that have the same mindset mm-hmm. because other people get into organizations or start business, which is great to be successful. Everyone wants to do that. Yeah. But they come with agendas and they want titles and positions. And mm-hmm. I was like that. I was like that in my early 20s. I was about, I, to, I I was about to ask that. that. Yeah, yeah, I wanted a title. I wanted a position. I wanted to be on a platform to preach. I mm-hmm. wanted that yeah. to be known. I wanted to be certified, have the blue check mark and all that. <laughs> the and blue check mark. I wanted those things. Yeah. I've seen these other pastors and other lead pastors, which you're doing is great around the nation and all that mm. but i think once i left that church and thank god for it man i i opened my eyes to say you're chasing the wrong thing mm-hmm. 
using to serve people. So now I think you said in the beginning, yeah. I like being in the background. You yeah. can ask anybody oh, yeah. on the team and all that. I don't like to be on a poster. I don't like to promote myself. I don't, I, I don't like that. Mm. I literally love just to get in front of individuals, in front of doors, out on the street. And uh, I think God can do the rest. And, you know, and for anyone hearing as well, like we tell people at the East Valley Dream Center, get to your first knock. Because we go knocking mostly every week on doors. When you get to your first knock, that's not going to be your last knock. Because mm. you want to keep impacting families. You want to see smiles on faces. You want to see these individuals in these communities that we serve. So it's once you get to your first knock, you know, that's when your heart, you know, starts to, if it's hard and it starts to open up to be like, wow. Like we've had people, we have people on our team. We had a guy, super far right person, yeah. super out there. Mm -hmm. And he said, he's like, and I, he's like, you know, I open these doors up in these low-income communities, and I, I always think, why should I serve them? I see their big screen TVs. I see they have their nice BMW, like literally they have BMW cars outside, mm -hmm. but they're living in a low-income uh, property, a Section 8 property. Mm. And he's like, I don't know mm. why I should I give to them. And I said, it's very good that you observed that. Mm. I said, but the re that's the reason why we're here, to teach them, not to judge them, right. not to say this is how you see you're just taking from the government, you're taking from that. Because, Blake, I go back to my life. Mm. If there wasn't an individual that came to my door, to my family, to my mom, which is my uncle, that's it, and I wouldn't be here today. That's it, yeah. You know, I wouldn't be here today. So I always go back, you know, we're that person in the community to show that kid, that 10-year-old kid, maybe their mom and dad's doing it wrong, mm. but they're going to look at us and say, man, that brown or black guy or white guy coming to my community, and mm. I see how they do it. If they can do that, then I'm going to do something with my life mm -hmm. um, as well. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's just the trajectory that we're on, trying to impact, and I think just trying to bring people together. Mm -hmm. You know, like you said, we're mm -hmm. people on portal opposites these days. Yeah. But if you come on a Thursday or Saturday to serve, you'll see like yeah. you see white, black, Republicans, <laughs> yeah. Democrats, low income, that, and that goes out the door. Yeah. I said, and people I, were kind of agree with me. Some didn't. I said, you don't know the cure to racism. I know I'm taking a little far here. Yeah. I said, if you get a white guy going to a low-income community, knocking on the door, and that white guy can probably be Republican, or that white lady be Republican, and that black family or Puerto Rican family or Hispanic can be Democrat, but that goes out the door because it's a bag of essentials and there's a need, and now you have these people praying for each other. No one asks, hey, first, what part are you from? Or what does, no, that goes out the door. It's All it takes is conversation. Out the door, yeah. It, it, all it takes is for conversation relationship to happen. Yeah, and it goes from there, and you start seeing on both sides, like, and they're really nice. Yeah, and the walls start to break down. The walls start to break down, but we don't know it's because we're still on that ship. Yeah, both sides. Because we haven't done it. We haven't done it yeah. yet. You're not empathetic, so mm -hmm. so that that's where I've learned in my life. Um, just uh, go into these communities and let people know, you know, that you can do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Do I believe welfare helps you out? Yes. Do I believe Section Eight helps you? Yes. Mm -hmm. But my people, my community, people that grew up, we make it into a career, and we stay there because we think this is all it is. We have that fixed mindset, but we don't have a growth mindset. Mm, and I think I found my purpose and calling in my life on this earth is to go back to these communities and let these people know that you can make it out of here. Yeah. It helps you out, but God has so much more planned for you. Right. Um, so yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it. Yeah, you're made for more. Yeah, you know? yeah. So. And that's that's a part of that growth mindset too. Yeah, you know, there's a quote that I um that I heard the other day, which is super true. I mean, it's like putting yourself in positions to do hard things yeah. to live an easier life. Mm. You know, because wow. it's it's not until you actually go out and do these things, yes. and actually see the impact that you're like, oh wow, I could, I, there's actually purpose here. Wow, you know.
and that will give us more of that perspective of like, okay, we could actually wake up every day with a clearer mind yeah. and more of that purpose. And that will bring us that joy. And, you know, obviously there's people in the world who maybe get too prideful about that and call yeah. themselves gurus and yes, stuff like that. Yes. You know, you get that at that end of the spectrum. Yeah. But, but it's really important to maintain like that humble, like that servant heart, you know, toward other yeah. people because every time I see things like that, that just, it makes me super happy. No, that's you good. Know? And I, so. you, you said it good where I tell people all the time, because today, tonight we're running a, a finance, we have a financial class out mm-hmm. of the East Valley Dream Center that helps low-income families. Mm-hmm. I'm not a financial guru. <laughs> I don't ask you about all these stocks. I don't ask yeah. about other things. But I tell people, I do know how to be poor, though. Yeah. And I know how to get out of being poor. I'm an expert at being poor. Right. And I know how to get out of that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I teach to these families. That's good, dude. And that's the one thing I'm an expert at, and I know how to be poor, and yeah. I know not how to be poor. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't have to be a financial guru. I don't have to be this mega pastor. I don't have to have right. an organization to make a change in my community. Yeah. We literally bought a grill, mm-hmm. a grill with hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and God moved in communities. Yeah. We, you know, that you don't have to, you can work a regular nine to five job and still make an impact in the community. And you know what? That's the message that we're trying to bring across to individuals is like, hey, there's still a purpose and plan in your life. It's to serve other people, mm-hmm. and you're going to see God do the rest. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're, you're using, a lot of people look to, like to look as, at faith as a, a noun, but you're using as a verb. Yeah. You know? And you don't have to be, like, like you said it, you don't have to be super Christian. I, and I, yeah. This is what I, I want, and I thought at this place where I thought I was holier than thou and all that, I, I, I'm not sitting on this in front of this mic. I screw up every, every day. day. I am. I think I told the pastor this. I talked to him while I was born in the conference, yeah. and we haven't talked in a while. I said, hey, man, I just want to let you know, I'm not as holy as I was maybe you thought some years ago. <laughs> yeah. I said, but I found my purpose in life, yeah. and that's to help other individuals. Right. Uh, and I want to just love other individuals. So I'm not sta- sitting Amazing. here and all this, Christian, super Christian. No, right. man. Yeah. I'm just a person, a regular human being that has a regular job, and I want to go out to my community and make a difference in my community. And, I, and I've learned, um, you know, do for one what you wish you can do for everyone. Mm-hmm. So we're doing for one community mm-hmm. in Chandler that I wish I can do for the whole world, but I can't reach the whole world. Mm-hmm. But I think I can reach this one community here. Yeah. So when we walk in this one community, right. people know who Giovanni is. People know who the East Valley Dream Center is. People know who the staff is, the volunteers. Mm-hmm. And we're making a difference in these communities. And our vision, our goal is to go to another community in Chandler, then go to Mesa, then go and start in the East Valley, and then let the rest of the doors open from there. But right now, we're called to the community in Chandler, those three communities. Yeah. And, you know, God will do the rest from there. Yeah. So. And it's, it's easy to be like, I just want to do more. I want to do yeah. more. Yeah. But it's also important to realize, like, I could, so I could celebrate the the little, the little wins because exactly. you're still impacting people's lives. Exactly. You know? And that's huge. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And, and like and we said, yeah. and everybody in the volunteers, they're not, people, we have Mormons come help us out. We had people that don't believe in God. We have people that our church hurt, they come help us out. It's because just to help people. All are welcome. I remember Jesus said this. Um, he says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to separate sheeps and the goats. And I'm going separate to separate to one side, the right side and the left. And, um, you know, I'm going to separate... To the right is the people that uh, helped me out and that gave me food when I had no food, that clothed me when I had no clothes, that gave, visited me in prison. And then the people responded, but when were you in prison? When did you have no food? When did you have no clothes? And Jesus responded saying, well, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. Mm-hmm. Welcome into my kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, of course, if you didn't do any of that. So I, took, I take from that passage is like, you don't have to be a scholar. 
No. You don't have to have your life together. Yeah. For me, Jesus said, hey, you want to come to me? Just take care of my people. Yeah. Because in that, you're going to learn your life and learn. And I'm doing that now. Like I said, I'm not perfect, man. But yeah. no one I'm learning every day yeah. how to be like this man named Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and regardless if you believe in him or not, like that is who I look towards, regardless of what your faith is. I look towards that man because he died for us and he said, you know what? That's the greatest sacrifice there. Mm. So, you know, I, you ask anyone, man, I, I, I just, like, I just want to help people. Yeah. I, I love, I love, I, I put this on a post on Instagram. I get a literal high off of helping people. Mm-hmm. Like people can drink, mm-hmm. people can smoke. Right. But me, when I help people, I get a literal high and mm-hmm. I don't want no reciprocity, nothing in return. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned this from my grandmother was, you know, she used to say to me when she tried to give me money, I said, no, well, uh, that's fine. You don't have to give me. And she used to say, don't rob my blessing. If I want to bless you, let me bless you so God can mm-hmm. bless me in return. Mm-hmm. So I've taken that my whole life now is when I pay for people to eat or when I pay for people's gas or go out, mm-hmm. I always think like, man, God's going to bless me back. I know God's going to bless right. me back. He's not a liar. Right. He's going to bless me back. So yeah. I've learned that uh, in, wow. in, in my life. So, dude, it's so good. Yeah. Um, to wrap up, I want to... I want you, I want to give you the opportunity here to to anyone who's listening, um, who is actually you know what, I'm gonna make this two part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I I literally almost forgot to ask this because this is a question I always ask um, at the end of most of the podcasts, which is um, we talked about your past and your struggles there. Is there something that you're continuing to struggle with that's more specific that you could dive into real quick? Yeah, um, uh, I think for me at 33 years old, uh, I continue to struggle with. Um, you know, I think we said it before the podcast was in. We're talking about social media. Mm. I usually take a break from social media. I promote the heck out of this conference and what we do because mm-hmm. we need donors. By the way, if you want to donate as well to East Valley Dream Center, <laughs> right? So on my link. social me- on my social media, that's all I try to do is promote our East Valley Dream Center. Mm-hmm. But I usually take a break uh, for holidays, so after November until probably like February, uh, because too much social media for me, the insecurities start rising. Mm. I start seeing what they're doing in Chicago or Florida or other organizations. And then I think for myself, the enemy starts creeping in. And sometimes I'm the biggest, uh, my biggest enemy critic. You, you well, versus not, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not good enough. Yeah. You can't speak like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've been doing this for two years and you guys are still kind of small. Mm. So those insecurities uh, rise up in me at times where I, you know, I, I thought I'll, and I'll be transparent. Like I thought I was a great speaker in communication and, you know, my English. Um, and then I got older and I said, man, I, I struggle with that at times, grammar. Um, and I'm learning that too. I'm reading a book. It's a better grammar. Um, so I struggle with those things, man, big time where, you know, if I put up a post and it's spelled the wrong or comma, you get, I get insecure about that. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I'm learning that, like you said, we're human. Mm-hmm. So if that's a thorn in my side, that keeps me grounded. And I thank God for that thorn um, a lot. And I think that makes me relate with other people better. I'm an open book. You can ask me anything. And I'm not going to lie up here and say, yeah, I'm great in this and public speaking because I'm not. Uh, But um, too much social media, too much looking gets me in trouble. Uh, with my mind and I start comparing I'm the same way yeah, yeah I start comparing and I just said you know what so that's why I take that four month break to kind of refresh my mind so I sound my family mm-hmm. and it kind of just go from there so yeah, yeah that's one struggle I, I deal with uh, yeah. today yeah I try to like because for me I, I use Instagram especially for like like 
my work. Yeah. And yeah. then also my personal stuff too yeah. and what I'm doing. But um, I love that piece of, of social media being a good thing. And, you know, there's that side of it. But on the other side of the coin, it's also very negative. And I also find myself comparing, especially like to other people's work mm-hmm. or like what they're doing. And then I also soon realize I'm like, okay, wait, this is our highlight reel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, this isn't, this isn't our full lives. Like you could look at my Instagram page and, you know, think I'm doing everything all the time. I'm not yeah. at all. You yeah, know, yeah. it's a very slim part of my life and it's not, it's very much not fully who I am. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not fake, Yeah. but it's also not my life, Yeah. you know, so that's something I always have to remind myself and especially like, because I've been trying to go on post and get off <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unless yeah. I get like DMS or whatever and things yeah. like that. But that's, that's always been my thing, dude. So yeah. I get and, I, and I think I, I kind of, because usually when you're younger, yeah. you post and see how many likes you get. Mm-hmm. I, I removed that. You yeah. know, you do that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't yeah. know you could, yeah. you could do that. Okay. Yeah. So, well, but, it, well so it, it's like, you could kind of see it's like something in others. It didn't show the number though. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you could also block it on other people's. That's, so I've done, I've done all okay. that. Okay. Yeah. So for myself, I, I, for me, that was a big, I overcame that. Yeah. Like I, do I post a lot? It's just most about these Valley Dream Center. Mm-hmm. I don't care if I get like 20 likes, 30 likes. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, um, that was a big thing, but now I think for me, I show I'm growing in that because mm-hmm. now I can care less how many people like it. I just, as long as you come to my page, you see the message. Right. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, if you go uh, to East, uh, to my page, uh, you just want to see what we're doing in the community. It's not to promote myself. Mm-hmm. And I did struggle with that in the beginning mm-hmm. because usually, especially nonprofits, and you see these memes where people are posting homeless people, or look what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. And I remember we used to struggle with that because, like, man, do we really post that to see what people were doing? Oh, yeah. I got so past for that because I think if like minded people mm-hmm. know, like, and especially they know me, Giovanni's not posting to show what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And even if you do think yeah, that. Yeah, they know your character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they know my character. But if you, if you do think that, well, that's on you. Right. It's not on me. It's, I not, know your, I'm, it's not responsibility. It's not my responsibility. I know I'm posting. I know why God sees my heart. I don't post to see what we're doing or how we're doing. There's two reasons I post. Uh, and I'm, it's going to go to donate financially to <laughs> mm-hmm. the East Valley Dream Center and yeah. donate financially to the East Valley Dream <laughs> yeah, Center. yeah. Because uh, we need donors and all that, and volunteers. Our mm-hmm. team is growing. We get a lot of volunteers. So those are the two reasons. If you come volunteer and donate, I can care less what you think about me. I can care less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, too much social media, the insecurity does rise up. Mm-hmm. And if I start looking at other people's pages and all that, and mm-hmm. you know, if you're hearing this, if I, you know, I don't try to mute people, mm-hmm. but. You know, that comes into uh, if I, I feel like that person's page is... I've, I've muted people. In the oh, past. yeah? Oh, yeah. 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 So, I have to sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I... And it's for my well-being. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For my well-being, is like I got to... 100%. Play, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. But I, I... That's the reason I post. But to go back to the first question, it was I struggle at 33 years old with insecurities yeah. mm-hmm. and just trying to compare myself to organizations to other people. Right. So... Okay. And then if, if, you know, there are people listening who are struggling with not only comparison, but with depression or anything like that, um, you know, would you give just what advice would you give to people out there who are listening to this, who have hangups, you know, yeah. or, or struggling with something? Cause no one has a perfect life and no one does like everyone struggles with something yeah, big or small, but it matters to them. Yeah. You know? So I think one of, I love the local church. And I support the local church and church. So I think one of my issues, especially with churches, they always say prayer in Jesus is the answer, which he is. Um, 
But there's a reason why God gave gifts to counselors, therapists. There's a reason that God mm-hmm. gave gifts to, so so they can use their gifts for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that are struggling with depression and loneliness and, and trying to figure out their purpose in life, I can just share with you what helped me out. And I know it's different for other people. But it was in March of 2019 mm-hmm. when I said, I'm going to start serving other people. Regardless if I work the same nine to five job, regardless if I make $16 an hour, $17 an hour, I'm going to start serving other individuals. I want to bring value and smiles to other people's face instead of my own. And Blake, doing that has brought a smile to my face every day of my life. Uh, When I made that decision to start serving other people than myself. Um, So if you are in this rut, if you are feeling like, I don't know what to do in life, Find a local organization, whether it's your church, whether it's a nonprofit, whether it's a group of friends, you guys get together, put some sandwiches together into bags, and just go out to the community. Give out to homeless or stand on the corner giving out water bottles or something. You're, you're going to feel better once you leave that. Now, are you going to still have the same issues and reality of that day? Yes. Uh, and I learned in my life I could have certain outlets that I have to use so that depression won't creep back up or that loneliness uh, but one of those outlets is serving on individuals. Mm-hmm. That's just one outlet. Yeah, I have other outlets that I go to that help me out when I'm having a tough day, when I feel that anxiety rising back up or depression rising back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the most overall thing I did was get involved or start a nonprofit. Yeah. And then my brother and a team, we used a, a, a non-for-profit. Mm-hmm. But now it's like I have no time in the day, no anything, because we're constantly busy. But... Me personally, I like being busy. I love mm-hmm. being uh, busy. There's a, a, a verse. His name is Big Sean. He's a rapper. <laughs> he has a song, Bless, and he Come says on. this. He says it. He says a <laughs> curse Sean, word, but he says, uh, you know, I'm going to say it the right way. That's forget. Awesome, he says, forget a vacation. Mm-hmm. I feel better at work. Now, some people are like, I don't feel that. I don't feel that whatsoever. <laughs> but me personally, at my point in my life, my man's you know, plugging Big Sean. Yeah. Right now. All right, come on. Me personally, forget a vacation. I feel better at work because I love doing what I do. Yeah. And Blake, I have two or th- two other jobs, but the serving aspect, and now my jobs are way better because I serve other people. Yeah. Um, and it's brought a, and one day, God willing, that me working full time at our nonprofit, that would happen, but that's not the case right now. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to work my butt off until that happens, mm-hmm. and that's by serving other individuals until we get grants and donors, whatever it is, yeah. that's going to happen. So if you're listening to this, serve others. Family, friends, you don't have to have money. You can go to the dollar store and get stuff mm-hmm. together and just start serving other individuals and work out from there. Yeah. I think everyone has power to realize their potential. Yeah. And know that whoever's listening to this right now, like there's so much capacity in you than you could ever realize. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you can always rise up and do something yeah. that you never thought yeah. you could do. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I want to, uh, before we end, man, I, I want to thank you. Uh, you, when I met you, and especially uh, Jeff as well, you guys are rare commodities. The reason I say this, and I don't want to get to race, but, um, you know, you guys are some cool white boys that came alongside. <laughs> the yeah. thing is, you see, you, you want to say, yeah, because we have a lot of races that come to East Valley Junior Center volunteer, mm-hmm. um, and then maybe they just come that one Thursday. But for you, two individuals and yourself yeah. and then seeing your Instagram and seeing the empathetic part when mm-hmm. you posted with the, the BLM and mm-hmm. you jumped off the boat, mm-hmm. you could have easily said, well, that's not really me. I don't have to make a film about it. I don't have to mm-hmm. put my voice, my mm-hmm. career on the line for it. Mm-hmm. 
you know? So I, you know, to people like you guys, I take my hat off because maybe you had family and friends that come at you like, what the heck are you thinking? Like, why would you want to do that or say that? Yeah. And so you're doing that, especially, like I said, we're in the beginning in the East Valley where it's mostly suburban area and the message you're trying to give across, it's not very popular. And so what we're trying to do as well is, is the same thing is like, you know, we're not saying going against them. We're, we're just trying to partner. And maybe you come to a place that we can't recognize, and then you can teach us about a place where you can recognize it. I remember a pastor told me this, because I said, man, we're dealing with oppressed uh, communities in the low-income communities, and we're trying to do our best. He says, you know what, Giovanni? He says, not only low-income communities are oppressed. He's like, I'm in Gilbert, and these big houses around me, they're oppressed to stay inside their big, comfortable homes, mm, mm, not mm, get out. Not, yeah. That's oppression, he said. Yeah. And stay comfortable. Stay comfortable. He says, so there's got to be a way for you guys to partner up mm -hmm. um, and just show that's each good, other and, yeah. and do that. So that's, uh, that's why I take my hat off to you guys. And what you're doing here, starting off, it's incredible. Mm. Uh, and just bringing perspective into different lights and all that. And I know it's going to grow. Mm -hmm. First of all, I've seen your films and all that. You, mm -hmm. You're great in that. Thank you, man. And so you know how to market and get a message across. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I know it's, it's going to work. So, But yeah. I was honored to, to do this, man. And yeah, thank man. you for letting me plug in the Waves Conference anytime. East Valley Dream Center. Yeah, anytime, whatever man. we do. So. Yeah, we're going to be there. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gonna be exciting. Yeah. So. Yeah, dude. Anything you need, man. I'm here for you. And and yeah. Any any tools. Perfect. That man. you need in my court. Like I'm always here. Awesome. So, all right, brother. Appreciate you. Thank you. Love you a lot. Yeah. And, love uh, you, man. Yeah. We'll talk soon.